Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today I want to talk about Reiki and cats. But before I dive into that topic, I want to introduce a very special guest I have today. Dewey's not with us today, but I have my Reiki master mom, Wendy Jordan, with us. So (laughs) say hi, Wendy. Hello, all you cat lovers. We're going to, I asked Wendy here today to answer some questions that our listeners have asked because I don't, um, I don't talk about doing Reiki on cats a whole lot. I do have it on my website and I do have it in my credentials that I'm a certified Reiki master and I only do Reiki on cats these days, Um, but I don't talk about it a lot. But in this last week, I had two people ask me questions related to this. So I wanted to uh, wanted to do an episode on this so that we could get those questions answered and more. So I want to just start with the basics for everybody because not everybody knows what Reiki is or what we're doing with it or what a Reiki master is and things like that. And, and Wendy's been doing this far longer than I have. So I invited her to answer some of these questions for us. So start us off with explaining what is Reiki. Okay. Well, first of all, um, thank you for having me. And um, for all your listeners, Molly is an amazing Reiki practitioner. And the thing that is one of the really nice things about when you learn Reiki is um, even if you say you're not practicing all the time, every time that you're holding those cats or putting your attention on any anyone that uh, needs some healing, it's actually flowing through you. It's a part of you now. So mm-hmm. that's part of why people do this. But let me back up a little bit and explain what it is. So Reiki is actually a very ancient form of healing that's been mentioned in many ancient texts. And in the early 1900s, a man named Mikhail Yusui sort of rediscovered Uh, through his meditative practice, he rediscovered this art of self-healing and working with our own energy field to strengthen it and um, be able to not only heal ourselves, but heal others. And so the word Reiki, um, it's a Japanese word, Rei meaning universal life force. So when you think a minute about what that is, the life force, it's that thing sort of unnameable, that gives us life. So it's not just in humans, it's in all animals and in all plant life, anything that has living energy. And Mm -hmm. ki is the Japanese word for energy. Um, So this is what it is, universal life force energy. So when we do Reiki, we're just working with an energy um, to put us in a better state of health. And we do that by balancing all the systems in the body. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and then and tell tell people how that works. So, you know, when we say we we use that energy, tell people how how that flows and and where where and how that gets applied to other beings. Okay. Well, first of all, one thing to know about Reiki is it's a little different from. Well, it's very different from many of the other types of systems that work with energy because we only use our hands and flowing the energy through our own physical bodies. Um, So we're not actually doing the healing. We're channeling this energy from ourselves and then it flows out of our hands um, Mm -hmm. and into... I like to call it a vessel. Feels like... Yes. Feels like a vessel, almost like like a water vessel. Yes. And in order to learn how to do this, this is the only type of energy work that 
you need to be sort of opened up. And when I say that, it's it's about opening up our own energy centers so that we're able to channel this energy. And so we call that an attunement. And that's very different from what they do in things like healing touch or acupuncture or other people, massage therapists, other people that they also work with the meridians and they work with the energy. Um, but this is what makes us different is this attunement process. And once you've done that, basically you can lay your hands very lightly on the body and you'll feel the energy exchange. Some people actually see energy. And so they like to be back from the body a little bit and let that Reiki energy flow from their hands. And then they are able to see how the energy is moving Um, everybody has different talents and skills as far as how they perceive energy. And what I love about teaching it is developing what each individual has to offer. So everyone can do this. Um, We just all do it a little bit differently. Um, Mm -hmm. So for example, if I were, you know, called in to work on a cat, um, I, I actually like to have hands on. So once things are comfortable and the cat allows me, my hands would then begin to first go to the area that sort of comforts and lets the cat understand what I'm doing. And then once they feel okay about it, you actually use your hands to lightly stay over the body and just kind of move it around to see where you're feeling a vibration or a heat and areas where there's a problem, you usually will feel something. In my case, Mm -hmm. I usually feel heat. Um, And then we go to work with, with healing. Mm -hmm. Mine too. I usually feel heat too. And I learned a very valuable lesson (laughs) to, it's not only important, you know, to have permission to do energy work on people, but it's also important to have permission to do that energy work on on the cats. I, I remember I walked into the shelter one day in Dallas and came in and was running a little late and, you know, kind of there were, there were a lot of cats in the room and I could feel a lot of stress in the room and I could feel the Reiki just flow because like you said, it it seems to just flow naturally after mm-hmm. you've been attuned and it, it knows, you know, who needs it and where it goes. And I went to one cat in particular and needed to give him a name. So I opened the door and, you know, started petting him and he was very receptive and, you know, making biscuits and tail straight up and started to eat a little and I'm petting him. And then he turned around and he bit me one of the worst bites I've ever gotten. And, um, you know, I, but he was probably a little sensitive to being overstimulated in the first place, which, you know, and then I just came barging in Reiki flowing and didn't really take the time to, to let him smell it, ask him if it was okay, you know, if we do some Reiki. And had I been, uh, you know, paying a little more attention like I should have, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten bit. So I, I've learned to, to very gently go in with cats with it because it can, uh, can really, yeah, I don't startles, not the right word, but it can really, um, contribute to overstimulation with a cat that, that tends to be a little overstimulated and sensitive in that way. Right, right, exactly. And it's just like when I have, um, a client, a new person, Uh, come to see me, I never just immediately have them lay down on the table because people don't really know what this is. So it's always better for them to get a little bit of a feeling of what this energy exchange is going to feel like. So I always start with people sitting on my massage table and I just gently put my hands on their shoulders. We can ask some questions, we can talk, but that exchange starts slowly. Now with animals, um, it's funny because I'm actually not as much of a cat person. I've always had dogs, lots of them. Um, and so when I started doing Reiki with cats, it was really the same thing. The first person's house that I walked into, it's sort of honoring the cat and saying, I'm here to help and here's what I have to offer. And I find cats, oftentimes, if they don't know you, um, you know, they take off, they'll run somewhere else in the house, they might come around a little bit and sniff. But especially if they're a sick cat, and their person, their owner is anxious about what's going on, the cats already picked that up. So when someone new comes into the house, um, they're not real sure what you're going to do. 
I could mm-hmm. be like the vet or I could be someone who isn't good with animals. So I basically get down on the floor, get my Reiki flowing through my hands and just put my hands out. Mm-hmm. And it's very mm-hmm. interesting to watch how these cats will come around and sniff my hands. Some get comfortable very quickly. Some sniff them and go, hmm. I don't think so. And off they go to their closet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, and it's always fun for me because the people, you know, they get, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll go get them. I'm like, well, you can, you know, let's take a minute and breathe. It's okay. We're not in a hurry. You know, do you want to bring the cat back here or are you okay with me following the cat? And it's not like I'm going to chase them, but I'm just going to put my hands near them again. And, and eventually not only do they, you know, kind of walk around my hands and then walk around me and really check things out. It's amazing to me. They're very unlike dogs in that way. Um, <laughs> the dogs seem to just go, okay, fine. You're going to do something, make me feel better. But cats are so cautious. Um, mm-hmm. and, they really you know, are. and by the time they're just sort of laying there and then I can work on them. And then when they feel that energy, and especially if you're in the area where they're, you know, if they injured something and there's some pain relief, they just start purring. And uh, then I'm like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it is funny how they, they, once they get a taste of it, they do yeah. like it a lot. Tell yeah. everybody about, so is, is this energy and the Reiki work affecting the physical body or the emotional body or both? And how does that energy know where to go? Is it directed by where we place our hands or does that even really matter? Sort of all of the above. Um, Yes. When we're working, we are an energy field. And so that field is, goes beyond our physical body and it goes through our emotions and our spiritual center. And so when we send the Reiki, we can just in general send it to the whole being. And it does know where to go. There's an intelligence about it. Life itself has an intelligence. And so there's different ways of working. Um, that's how distant healing works. I can be at home sending this energy to your animal and focusing on it and imagining that I'm seeing this maybe a golden light completely engulfing the cat, knowing that that energy is going to go where it's needed to help balance and calm and then bring things into balance, which boosts the immune system. So really what we're doing is turning on your own healing system. So the cat, every Everything has the ability to self-heal. Most of us have forgotten that and we look elsewhere for it. But that can happen. And so um, when I'm working in person, I like to put my hands directly to the area that I believe they need the Reiki. But sometimes people feel it somewhere else. It's a very interesting thing to get energy work. I know when people are working on me, they might be up working in my heart area that maybe there's been a lot of emotional stuff going on or I'm carrying some grief or disappointment. Um, And so their hands are just at the heart area. And all of a sudden my left leg just sort of bounces up off the table because that's, we've broken through an energy block and now the energy's flowing better and Mm -hmm. it needed to fly out my left leg for whatever reason. It's common (laughs) that it does that. And it's the same with animals. Now they're a little more sensitive. If you're not in a place and they, and they don't like it, they'll let you know. And so oftentimes I will back off. Um, I'll give you an example. We worked, um, it was, it was a sad situation. Woman had several cats. I think she had two cats and two dogs and the one cat had been diagnosed with cancer and was really not doing well. It was an older cat. They'd already put it through quite a lot of treatment. And she wanted to understand why that cat and the younger cat that were so close and always played together seemed to have spent a lot of time and then suddenly they were done. And the younger cat has moved on and is not coming into the room where the sick cat is. And I said, you know, it's amazing how cats, um, they know so much more than we do. And they've already accepted and they understand where they're at with this. They basically said their goodbyes and the younger cat was leaving the older one alone. And the older cat went behind a couch and I wasn't able to get 
to him to really work on him. Mm-hmm. And the owner really didn't want to hear that it was probably time for this cat to be put down. And, and you know, when you know that a cat's in, uh, he's suffering and in pain, of course, we're always trying to help. But we were called in to work on the cat pretty um, late after this had all been diagnosed. So, you know, he wasn't in good shape. But I sat out, you know, like on the other side of the couch because the cat was wedged between the cat and the wall. And I was just sending Reiki like crazy, you know, putting my intention on everything from lessening pain to being comfortable and also some spiritual work sort of to calm down the emotions and get the cat ready for transition. And all of a sudden, the cat threw up so much just so much. And we found Mm. out that the day before this vet had put this cat on a new medication and it was just making the cat so sick. And so, you know, it's a weird thing when something like that happens because it's like, oh, did we do something and make the cat sick? No, that needed to be out of the cat's body. You know, she was so much more comfortable. And then she actually came out from behind the couch and laid Mm -hmm. around a little bit, you know, so I think the gift of learning to do this, the first gift is that, you know, once we're attuned to Reiki, it's a part of us. So our own immune system is boosted and we are in better health, which in these kinds of times, you know, is very comforting for me to know that I can always do a little work on myself. But the second part is that when I go work, whether it's a person, a dog, a cat, anyone, calming down and just sensing and letting that energy flow through me to the animal, I know they're getting what they need. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes answers come that I'm like surprised I even know the answer. Um, There are things that I've heard, maybe spirit put some, you know, information in my head about something that they need to eat or something that you know, I start asking questions and I realize something's being done that isn't good for the animal. So right. it's, it's a very, it's, it's a very fun and rewarding type of practice. It's not, um, you know, we're not trained like a doctor to understand every system of the body and every medical thing that can be happening. And yet there's sort of a higher intelligence to just help bring that energy so everything can go into better balance and with better balance brings better health. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that too, when I, when I, uh, when I'm on my behavior consults, you know, it seems like all what people interpret as misbehavior in cats always has some root in how the cat is emotionally. And I find that I'm much, much, much more able to tune into that and to pick up on that and to be able to address that in a, in a much more efficient way than mm-hmm. just, you know, just knowing what I know about cats and from my formal training on that and, you know, what causes certain behaviors and things like that. Reiki has really, really, really helped me on an intuitive level mm-hmm. to be able to hear from the cat himself what's what's happening and not to say Reiki is not you know psychic talking to animals we're not communicating with them we're not necessarily animal communicators but you definitely get very strong feelings about what's going on with the being once you have been attuned and opened to the Reiki energy now I want to talk a little bit about um, the energy centers in in beings. So we all have um, multiple energy centers in our body, chakras or what that's called. And we have seven uh, um, from starting at our head down down to our groin. And cats have eight chakras, actually. They have one extra. And if you want a visual, since this is a podcast and we're not on YouTube and I'm not flashing up fancy visuals, if you want a visual, go to my website, catbehaviorsolutions.org, under the About tab. You'll see Cat Reiki on there, and there's a good visual that will show you where your cat's chakras are. So tell us a little bit, Wendy, about chakras and what they are, and does, does a cat's chakra operate in the same way that a person's chakra does? 
Um, I'm actually looking at it right now. <laughs> and this, see, this is one of the things that I love about teaching is when I see things like this, um, I think originally I got my information working on a dog and people, um, it was a dog trainer and he sent me the same sort of thing to understand about the dog's chakras and where they're located. And I've since looked at horses and cats and all these different animals. And they're very similar, but um, a little bit different in each different species of animal, but they all actually sort of work the same way. So in the seven that we work with, um, they say that when all seven of these chakras are balanced and in communication with each other, that's when you're in your highest health. But, and tell me if I pronounce it right, brachio is the, mm-hmm. um, the chakra in the cats that sort of pulls it out together that's located up near the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so it would make sense that as you approach an animal, now I always just automatically did this with dogs. It seems to me, just like with horses, you know, if you go right to their head, it's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the top of the head isn't as much, but just like you wouldn't want someone putting your hand right between your eyes, animals don't particularly either. When they love you, it's a different story. But when you're a stranger and you're going to first get in their energy field, you don't want to go right into the front of the eye or right at the top of the head. Right. So when and with, I, and with cats, they have a real, most cats don't like you to, to reach over their head. Right. So most cats like you to, to approach their face under, you know, scratching that, that chin and side of the face and down by that throat chakra. But they, they don't like your hand to come up over their eyes. That's, you know, right. I think it's reminiscent of, of predators coming at them and things. And they tend to flinch a little bit. Sure. So, so you're right. So, that is why we start at that brachial chakra and so getting down low and like you say sort of bringing your hands there to the shoulder area and then if they're comfortable with that i actually go to the heart area so you would move your hands a little more up to the the top of the back and then underneath to where they're uh, you know like between the front paws Mm -hmm. to the heart Um, and with cats it's interesting because the heart chakra Actually, on your diagram, you point pinpoint three places. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually the same, you know, when you really understand how these work, all of the parts of our body relate back to the seven chakras. So, for example, with a human, to work their heart chakra, you don't necessarily have to put your hand right in the center of the chest, holding the shoulders affects it there's if you could like draw from the middle of your chest up to your shoulder that's a meridian and that energy at the shoulder will go into the heart area same with the elbows and same with the wrists Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that if you can stop for a minute and what we learn you know classes for the most part are taught about people but all you have to do is think a little bit about how that works and so It's the same thing Um, if you look at the solar plexus of the cat, that's sort of the area that we start on humans, although we're more, a little bit more down by the belly button. Um, But to put one hand over and one hand under the body or front and back, I guess I should say, it just starts sending that energy through and it starts to connect all of the chakras. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And and each chakra, whether it's in a person or, or a cat, is is like a it's like an energy vortex so Mm -hmm. energy is is spiraling out of it if you will to give you kind of a visual of what that looks like and um and and when that chakra gets clogged or it's not that energy is not flowing properly then that vortex changes from a, a perfect funnel of of shape of energy swirling to you know maybe oblong or maybe it's shut down completely and there's no energy coming out of it whatsoever and it's blocked and 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 that causes a lot of physical and emotional damage to the body so when we're applying uh reiki energy 
to a, a, a damaged, if you will, and you may have a better word for that, but a, but a non-functioning, healthy um, chakra, then it, then it tends to get that vortex flowing and opening wider so that energy can, can flow in, in and through the body out those chakras. So that visual is not on the page, but, but just to give everybody kind of a visual of, of the way that a, a chakra operates and, and what we're doing with it. Right. So I, I want to talk a little about, um, about one of my uh, cat behavior clients that I worked with this past week, that, that one of them that inspired this, this episode. So she is having a problem with her cat and she mentioned that she had PTSD and she asked me if her personal PTSD might be affecting her cat. She said, I have PTSD, so I'm all over the place sometimes and my cat seems to be sensitive to it. If she's picking up on my anxiety, what can I do for her to help relieve some of it? Is medicine the only option? And I know that that Wendy, you do a lot of work with people with PTSD, yes. and I wanted you to talk a little bit about how a person's emotional state of mind and frame of mind affects their cat or dog, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, it, it's it's. Are yeah, you right? Um, it's pretty um, evident that animals pick up on our energy. And I think just the way when sometimes um, you're upset about something and maybe you just are laying down and the cat will just come right on and just lay on your chest. They know, they sense that that's healing and soothing to you. They help to calm you down. Um, we were watching something recently about petting dogs and how it actually um, puts dopamine and um I forget what the other good feeling chemicals are into your system. Mm-hmm. And serotonin, people live longer. Um, serotonin, there were three of them. Serotonin was the second one. I think um, oxytocin mm-hmm. is um, the third one. But it's amazing how it has a chemical reaction within us. But the hard part about the animals is that they sometimes go too far in trying to help us and they take on our energies. So it really makes me sad for people like this woman who said she knows she has PTSD and, you know, what can I do for my cat? And to think that maybe then, you know, if the cat's picking it up and you would then do some sort of drug therapy with the cat, I would go back to saying, let's do the therapy, something for you to get you to calm down and to also let the cat know that it's not their problem. They don't need to take this on. Um, so that's a tough one. I mean, there are things that you can do to help calm if her cat right now is really in a bad place. Um, you know, there's some... Um, herbs and some uh, like herb teas that sometimes they can drink a little bit or there's other sort of calming things but rather that turning to some sort of drug um, I would I would sit with the cat and do sort of a visualization with them most animals see in pictures so even if we're not a true animal communicator we all are able to imagine talking to our animal by putting a mental picture up and, and then showing the cat that I'm going to be okay. Um, you need to let go. Even saying it, say, I'm okay. This isn't yours. You can let go of this. It sounds sort of funny to say it, but I've seen it work. Um, they feel it's their obligation to take care of you. And, mm-hmm. um, and we need to let them know. And sometimes while just doing that calming Reiki, and or if you aren't a Reiki person, just petting your cat in a time when you're really calm, talk to your cat and say, I know that I have this going on and you don't have to take care of it. You can let this go. Um, but the most important thing, um, I think, is to figure out for yourself something that when you realize you're kind of bouncing off the wall, you know, what can you do to, to stop for that moment and calm the cat and say, I'll be okay. I'm just, you know, 
I'll be okay. And, 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 um, you know, take a moment, whether it's just hugging the cat or maybe even taking yourself into a different room or someplace else, if you know, you're really just having a bad time. So the cat doesn't have to witness, Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, cats seem to take it on even more than dogs. And I know we talked about this a little bit when I work with vets with PTSD. Uh, I do some work up in Angel Fire where they have the veterans um, healing and wellness program. And most of them have dogs. And the dogs have been let to know that they're there. Their role is so this person can pet you. So you can be there with that person So all you need to do is sort of be there and be strong. You don't need to take on the person's stuff. Um, And dogs seem to be a little better than that. Although, I mean, cats and there's a lot of support animals out there, but they need to sort of be taught to not react when the person is reacting and to not take it on. And unfortunately with cats, they take it on in their kidneys oftentimes. Um, They, uh... Cats are such control freaks. I think that's probably why, <laughs> you know, they uh, dogs trust that, you know, we're going to provide everything and everything's going to be okay. And I'm not sure a cat really ever fully trusts that 100% just because of its more wild nature, you know, than, than dogs. And so a cat feels like it has to have control over its environment and, and the things in its environment, including us. And so if we're acting irrationally or unpredictably, then that really gets the cat anxious as well. Cause they're like, Whoa, you're not being your normal self. What is going on here? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I think, I think cats do probably take a lot of that on more than, than dogs. Now, another one of my friends, did you have something else you wanted to add there? I was going to say, much like when we have pain in our own bodies, that's our our inner higher self or inner being telling us there's something wrong, you need to take a look at it. I think sometimes the cat in taking things on to the point that something's wrong is the wake-up call, not that they're sick, but it's the wake-up call for the human, Mm-hmm. You know, they, they actually sort of allow it because they really are trying to heal that person, too. And and I've seen that, you know, when people come to me with an animal and they and I'm able to to get the feeling as I do this emotional Reiki on the animal that it's not really about them. And what they've done is a real gift to their owner. Because the owner brought them to me. And at a certain point in that treatment, I can turn to the owner and say, you know, your cat really doesn't have that much wrong. What you're doing for it is fine, but um, they can't handle the stress of what's going on. Have you looked at some things for yourself? And there have been several times that that's the case. So it's kind of a cool thing to think our little animals can do something to help their person get better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. And it's true even in environments, you know, that are just horribly chaotic, you know, lots of loud noise, lots of people running around, maybe lots of kids, lots of, you know, overcrowding, things like that. Cats cats tend to have a lot of anxiety in, in situations like that for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. So, so another friend of mine um, asked me, she said she was you know, in this, in this shelter in place situation, she's not traveling as much as she normally does. And she's looking to learn new things while she's home. And she wanted to do something with cats. And she knew that I was a Reiki master that works with cats. And so she called me and asked me, you know, who would I recommend to take and, you know, that kind of thing. And so, of course, I said you. I said, you know, explain to her how, and, and we didn't really tell everybody. So Reiki, Reiki basically has three levels. You have a, a Reiki level one practitioner, Reiki level two practitioner, and then a Reiki master, and then a Reiki instructor. So I guess really there's four, right? What? Well, there's four, but I have to tell you, if you go online and start reading about it, people have started doing things in so many different ways. Um, I teach a pretty traditional class as far as structure, which means the first level is about learning the hand positions 
to heal yourself and to heal others. Um, and then it also gives a lot of background about things we've talked about, the chakras, um, and how to bring the Reiki in, exercises, energy and breathing exercises to strengthen yourself and to become um, a strong Reiki person. The second level is more about distant healing and using symbols. And this might sound kind of strange to some people that aren't familiar with what Reiki is, but you actually use your hands or your imagination to draw these symbols, which I sort of think of as like a key. It's like turning on the ignition. So when we're specifically working with physical healing, there's one symbol that we draw that just brings that powerful directed energy and stronger to what we're doing. If we're dealing with emotional healing, there's an emotional symbol. And the third traditional symbol is one that has to do with bridging. So it takes us outside of time and space, which is our technique for then doing distant healing, going back in time and healing some traumas, something um, you know, working at the shelters, I used to do that. I worked in a dog shelter, but all the time I would do the bridging back to the time when that dog went through some trauma. Even if I didn't know what it is, you can still work to heal it. Mm -hmm. So the second degree of Reiki is about these symbols and distant healing and more in the realm of emotional healing. And then, of course, Reiki Master is finishing up getting after you've been practicing and working on lots of people and seeing what your questions are, then we have even higher symbols and more techniques, um, a lot more just about our physical world that we live in and things that help us to get along in that physical world. And it's four more attunements. Every time you get an attunement, your energy gets a little stronger. Um, now, some people will teach Reiki one and two in one weekend. Um, some people have put other names to what they're doing. And all I can say is, uh, you know, my specialty is going back to the traditional way of learning Reiki, which you spend two full days and get four attunements. Um, the, the hours, it doesn't have to be in two full days. Right now with the social distancing, when I start up teaching again, I'm going to do probably three hours a day for a full month, um, once a week. So it yeah. will end up equaling the same amount of time. And that also is a traditional method. One of our, back in our lineage of teachers, that's how she always preferred to teach it because then you'd learn something and you'd go home and practice a little bit. And a mm -hmm. week later you come back and learn some more, but a lot of people work. So to make it easier, we do weekend classes. So my suggestion would be Obviously, if you're in the Santa Fe area or you want to travel here, I would love to meet you and teach you. But I know a lot of your listeners are in other places. Spend some time reading their websites. Um, see where they come from. See what their whole approach is. I do not recommend doing over-the-internet attunements. I feel that this was handed down hand-to-hand -hand from Reiki Master to student. And I, I just... Even though I believe distant healing can work very, very well, I think you really need to be with someone when you're getting your attunements to hold that energy and to make sure things are going properly. And, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, and I would offer, I mean, if any of your listeners actually are really interested and they live somewhere else and they, you know, they want me to take a look at that person's website or they have questions about what they feel about that, I, you know, I'm happy to answer that because I, you know, I realize not everybody's going to take a trip to Santa Fe. Well, really they fun. wish they could. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody what, what your website is and how to get in touch with you. Okay, well, the website, uh, you can either Google Wendy Jordan Reiki, or the actual website is Joyous Journeys, but Journeys was spelled with an I-E-S, because E-Y-S was taken. So joyousjourneys.com or Wendy Jordan Reiki, both will get you there. Um, you can also Google Reiki in Santa Fe and find Joyous Journeys. Um, and if anybody, you know, would really like to ask a question of me, um, I'm happy to have you go to WT, is in Tom, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, 2, at gmail.com. 
Good, good. And you've written a book too. Wait, before we talk about that one, back up just a little bit and tell everybody kind of what what I did. Um, I I didn't find you until my Reiki level two. So so you were my Reiki level two and and Reiki master instructor. And um, and I took about a year, about eighteen to twenty four months in between each of the levels that that I got because you're absolutely right. I mean, I could never imagine doing this over the internet, feeling that energy, you know, and the heat and the things firsthand. I I really believe that if you're going to get into Reiki, that that you need to do it in person with someone. So wait until all this is over and it's safe to do that. But, and then do take some time. Don't rush through it. There's no rush and take some time and use the new skill and, and you'll know. I mean, I knew, I, I just knew, okay, it's time now to go on to the next level and, and learn more. And, um, and I would, I would strongly suggest you do that, not try to rush into, I'm going to try to cram all three in one year because it doesn't need to happen that way. Yeah. Well, traditionally, um, it was written that after you were turn, attuned to first degree Reiki to give it 21 days to a month. Now, earlier in the century when people did this, they were daily doing the exercises they were changing their diet. They were taking out, you know, all sugar, all caffeine, no alcohol, um, meditating every day. We live in a world where not everybody is, um, you know, they want to take the classes, but they just don't go along with doing all of those things. Um, but at the very least, I would say, you know, try to make it a month between Reiki 1 and Reiki 2, when you are thinking about, you know, doing some of the exercises that the teacher tells you and to meditate on it a little bit. Yeah, rushing through it, you will get the energy and it will be with you and it will be healthy for you. But I think if you really want to be using it, especially on other beings, um, you owe it to yourself to, to let it slowly work its way in and you can keep noticing the changes and the differences and how it opens things up for you. Um, you know, and then when mm-hmm. I know with my teacher, he made everyone wait at least a year to do your Reiki master class. And his was a year long class. And I kept going, am I ready? Am I ready? And uh, <laughs> when he finally invited me in with some other students, I felt kind of honored that I was like, yay, I get to do it. It's a little different now. I don't teach Reiki master class for a full year, but we do separate those classes even by a month. And, you know, Molly, you remember there's a, there's a lot to learn. There is. It's nice to they have the time in between um, to not only let it sink in, but to ha- find people or animals or um, nature to go practice your your new healing techniques on. Yep, absolutely. And so, you tell us about the book that you've written. Well, the book came around. Um, Basically, because I, like most people that learn Reiki, I I wasn't ready to just hang a shingle and start working on people. And so I worked first at an animal shelter. And then I also started doing some hospice work. And it's a wonderful way to practice. Um, People are just so welcoming and grateful when you come in and not only give them attention, but are able to put some of this nice healing energy and um, nice loving feeling around them. And at a certain point, after I was practicing, um, I got called in to do hospice on someone that I didn't know. And it wasn't through a hospice anymore. It was through a friend. And I went in and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do because the one thing they said was they're just looking for a spiritual treatment. They really don't want a religious type person in there right now. And as I sat there working on this woman, and she was lovely, she was in her 80s, and we were chatting away, and I noticed her son um, standing at the door crying. He was in his 60s. And I invited him in, and I said, would you like to sit and hold her hand while I do the Reiki? And he did. And to make a very long story short, what happened was... I suddenly realized that through the Reiki and through this distant healing technique I was talking about, uh, these people were connecting, their hearts were connecting, and they were able to send messages to each other without even talking. 
a huge amount of healing was going on and it was really a wonderful thing to see. And then um, they asked me to come back and do the same treatment with some of the other family members. And this led to my journey of um, being with people. They weren't necessarily in hospice, but maybe they were getting older or they had a disease that they knew maybe within the next year they could be gone and it was a way of using the Reiki, and I call it Reiki journeying, and imagining a place where you can be together, and you practice going to these places together. And so the book is just different episodes of working with family members, friends, um, different people, and everyone had a different journey. It was so amazing to sit with someone and for me, it was wonderful to be comfortable. You know, a lot of people think it's hard to go into the room of someone who's dying if you haven't seen them for a while or, or whatever the circumstance. And it just made it easy. It was joyful to walk in there and be able to sit with people, know that you had something to talk about, something you were going to do with them. And even people that were already in comas or were no longer speaking are able to connect with their loved ones. And I was just about done writing the book and something stopped me and I realized that my dog was beginning his journey. Um, I call it the end of life journey. And um, my dog, I won't tell you what it was, but he gave me a wonderful, wonderful message and we did have a way of connecting. So I think he was continuing I and mean, he'd been around Reiki for so many years anyway. I called him my little Reiki master dog. I think he was <laughs> teaching me that you can do this with your animals. And so what a wonderful thing to be able to do during those last couple weeks and especially mm -hmm. with animals when we have to make a decision you know to take them in that, that we're going to put them down because it's so much more humane in some cases that you're not just doing that you can do some techniques for um, yeah staying yeah. connected so that's basically yeah. what it's just a short book that's basically to help people feel compassion and a spiritual connection and some peace around this time whether it's with animals or people yeah it's so important i mean i i just flooded tabasco with reiki as you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. in those last weeks so yeah. tell people what's the title of your book and where it's called embracing the embracing the end of life journey and if you want to go into my website, um, I'll see that it's you and I'm happy to sign the book for you. If you prefer to just go on Amazon, um, it's in most of the books, the online bookstores. But uh, I always like when people come direct to me because then I can know who you are and write a little note to you and send it out within a couple of days. So, um, yeah. And there's a little more explanation on the website about what the book is. So. Good, and I'll uh, I'll be sure to post links to that when we uh, on Facebook when when I make the notification of this. Um, thank you for being here with us today and and talking a little bit about Reiki and cats and people and chakras and all that good stuff. Any any final words before oh, we just sign that off? these these times which oh my gosh we're just living in such crazy times and really taking those deep deep breaths and bringing it all the way down to the base of your spine because that's the chakra that deals with fear and not feeling supported and with your animal you know work that chakra a little bit too but um you know just spend that time to communicate with your cat and and let them feel safe about the energy of what's going on and do it for yourself too. Nice deep mm -hmm. breathing and, and um, know that uh, Molly and I are sending you out good Reiki energy to all the people who have listened today. We'll send you some extra energy and extra blessings when we do our, our personal work today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Very, very interesting. I'm, I've actually been on your website so much lately learning new things myself so thank you for what you do molly <laughs> well sure we try that's what that's what we're all about is getting all that information disseminated out there because you know i figured when i when i first went back to school to to become a behavior specialist with cats you know i, I wasn't sure where i was going with that i knew i was going to use it in the shelter and help more behaviorally assess animals in the shelter and and then i began to think well maybe i'll 
maybe I'll actually hang a shingle and be a behavior specialist and, you know, do work. And then I thought, you know, I'm not going to hold this information hostage for money because this is really, you know, really important stuff that I didn't know. And I thought I knew everything about cats and I've been working with cats for a long time and shelters for over a decade. And I learned so much and it was very important in what cats need. So I decided to set it up as a nonprofit and, you know, have created this extensive library of of podcasts on on cattalkradio.com and then the blog on the website. I try to answer a little bit more shorter questions there. Um, So definitely check out that at at, uh, catbehaviorsolutions.org. And you can help us out by, you know, following us on Instagram and liking Cat Behavior Solutions on Facebook and share it with other cat owners because that's that's what we're all about. And stop by the Behavior Boutique while you're on the site, too, because there's lots of great behavior products for cats there. And um, so... Until next time, I, I always like to say, Wendy, and I and I think this is this is so Reiki rooted. I always say, until next time, keep calm and purr on. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 